0: Hey everybody, come on in. It's time. That's right, it's time for Coffee with Scott Adams. Best time of the day. Once again, it's quite a run we have here. Every single day it's the best part of the day and no competition, really. But all you need to enjoy it is a copper mug or a glass of tanker chalice, or a stein, a canteen, jug, or flask—a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the dopamine meter of the day—the unparalleled pleasure. Sometimes I say them in a different order. It's called the simultaneous sip, and it happens now. Go. Ah, you know I shouldn't tell you this little secret, but I will you can determine the quality of the rest of this broadcast by whether I can correctly do the simultaneous sip uh, introduction. (laughs) So, however bad I am on the introduction, that will tell you how sleepy I am. But today, I overslept by two hours. (laughs) You know, your body tells you if you need sleep. Personally, I hate sleeping. I just hate sleeping. It feels like being dead when you don't have to be. Because I don't dream, or at least I don't remember my dreams. And it just feels like a timeout. I just, it feels like a punishment. I hate sleeping. So every now and then I'll get uh, so sleep deprived that I'll oversleep by two hours. So <laughs> I did this morning. So I'm a little unprepared this morning. And I'm sure it will show. But you be the judge. All right, we'll get to the slaughter meter at the end. Remind me. Um, Do you think all of the planned October surprises are over? Because I think they are, don't you? If you had a planned dirty trick for the election, you'd want to do it before everybody had uh, early voted. So I would think that while there could still be surprises, that's always possible, anything that's left would either be an organic surprise that was just a weird coincidence, Or it would be some planned surprise that they couldn't quite get ready in time, so maybe it's a little late. But I would think they would be pretty careful about getting those out on time. So what we know now, today, might be everything we know by Election Day. And a lot of people have voted already, of course. So the news that we have is what's baked in. Given now that we can reasonably confidently, not 100%, but reasonably confidently say there won't be any new excess Hollywood tapes or Hillary's emails, so we probably have what we have. So, based on the current situation, who wins? Donald Trump. If nothing changes. So remember I told you the slaughter meter is never a prediction, because so much would change between the time that I give the Slaughter Meter reading, which is an indication of how good things are for the president at the moment. But I am now revising the meaning of the Slaughter Meter, because we're so close to the election that I think nothing's going to change, and therefore the Slaughter Meter is a prediction. So as of today, the Slaughter Meter is a prediction, and it's at 100 percent Trump victory. Now, we did see that uh, Trump went to uh, Minnesota, and so did Biden. Is that today? Uh, Or was it yesterday? Well, if you've got both of them going to Minnesota, that tells me that there's something kind of big happening in Minnesota, and that would suggest that the polling we're seeing is completely fraudulent. Now, do you believe that the polls are fraudulent? I think they're fraudulent in two different ways, which is hilarious. The entire trick of the, uh, of the pollsters, and again, this is me talking from conspiracy theory land, but I feel pretty confident about this, that the pollsters almost certainly plan to show a, a big democratic victory, but they need to tighten up toward the vote, toward the election itself, because if they don't get closer to the actual vote by the end, they will be completely discredited. So what the fake polls need is some kind of an excuse for why they tightened at the end. They need a, a Hillary's email situation, sort of something like that. But they've also said that the, the Hunter Biden email stuff is a non-story. So I think they're going to have to either pick that as a reason that the polls tightened, which would be opposite of what they've been saying, or they're just going to have a big unexplained gap there, or it's going, to be, it's going to tighten too much at the end and it'll look fake. Here's why I think they miscalculated. I think they miscalculated because they didn't know how many Trump supporters would be lying to pollsters. So here's what I think. I think the actual result would be Trump winning, I think the polls have rigged it to make li- make it look like Biden had a solid a solid victory coming sort of a suppression poll sort of a thing. And then on top of that gap that would have looked maybe right. Um well, is Biden really leading you know leading by that much? It, it looks like a lot. I don't know. It's a little hard for me to accept because it doesn't match with my observation. But then on top of that you add the shy trump supporters and it would you know maybe let's say double the gap that wasn't real in the first place so we might have a double exaggerated fake gap in the polling that makes it look hopeless for trump at the same time biden is going to minnesota did i mention biden's going to minnesota that's got to mean something now I want somebody who knows more about politics to fact-check me on the following. Suppose, hypothetically, I don't think this is the case, so we're just testing a hypothesis, and I might might pull it back as soon as you do some fact-checking on me. Do you think it's possible, just hypothetically, if Biden's internal polls showed that he didn't have a chance, what would he do? Think about it for a second. What would you do, hypothetically, just hypothetically, if you're Biden and your internal polls show that you can't win? You basically have already lost. How would you act? Number one, you would certainly avoid crowds because there's no point in getting coronavirus, right, if you're not even going to be president. So, But there's other reasons to avoid crowds, which is just to be safe and make a good, uh, good uh, example, et cetera. So that doesn't mean anything by itself. The other thing you would do is you would barely, you would barely campaign. In other words, you would reduce your schedule to something bare bones. But again, that doesn't mean that's what's happening, because there would be another reason for that, which is that Biden, you know, may not be energetic enough to do a lot of campaigning. Uh, Or the other possibility is they think they have it won. So they don't need to do so much campaigning. Why put yourself at risk? But here's the part I want you to fact check. The other thing you would do is you would leave your limited campaigning. Wait for it. Your limited campaigning that you did do would be in a state where the Senate race is close. Because if you believe that you couldn't win the presidency, but you still had to pretend you were trying, what would you do? You would cut your schedule way back And the only ones you would do are where there's maybe a Senate benefit because you've already lost the presidency. So do a fact check. He was in where? Atlanta? And he's in Minnesota. Do they both have close uh, uh, Senate races? That's the part. I don't don't keep up with that stuff. So fact check that. If the places that Biden has been campaigning lately do not seem like the kind of place that a president would need to campaign, but it looks like it would be useful for the Senate races, that might be a little bit of an indication that the Biden uh, side, their internal polling shows that they're going to lose badly, and they might as well get some senators, because at least if you could hold the Senate, well, then you'd have something. Now I ask you this. Do you think that If these hypothetical shy Trump supporters exist, do you think that the way they are lying to pollsters is like this? Uh, Hello, I'm a pollster. Who are you voting for for president? Uh, And then you're going to lie. You're like, okay, watch this. Biden. Yeah, I'm for Biden. And then the next question they ask you is, who are you going to vote for for Senate? The Republican or the Democrat? And you're thinking to yourself, oh shit, he's going to catch me. Because pretty much nobody, I mean somebody does, but almost nobody is going to vote for different parties for their senator and the president. It happens, but it's not going to happen a lot. So if you're a liar and you're trying to lie to the pollster, are you going to say that you're going to vote for the Republican senator and then tell the pollster that you're voting for a Democrat for president? I don't think so. Now, I'd have to ask you, because a lot of people have said they have lied to pollsters even this year. So, so you tell me, if you were asked both of those questions, wouldn't you lie on both of them? Wouldn't you? Uh, I would think that you would. So it could look like the uh, Republicans are going to lose, lose the Senate. That's what it looks like at the moment. So if you believe the polls... The, Repub- the Republicans are going to lose the presidency, the Senate, the House by even more, more people. And then they'll uh, pack the courts, maybe, and own the entire government. That's what the polls say. But it doesn't feel like that, does it? Check your head and then check your body. Do they say the same thing? Because your head says, well, the polls, they probably fixed it since Hillary's run, so they're not going to be that far off this time. Is that what's happening? I don't know. My my brain sees the polls, and I get it. I get it. I mean, I see them. But my body says Trump already won. And this will be a real good test of intuition. In fact, you should do the same thing. Do a, do a, let's say, a survey of your body and a survey of your own brain. Do they feel differently? What does your body feel like? Do you feel like Trump won already? If you're, you're sitting in the future, imagine yourself in the future, and you can imagine a, tr- a President Trump. Let me ask you this. Is it hard to imagine a President Biden? Because it is for me. I mean, I can do it if I if I try, but I have trouble even really imagining it. And in the past, that's that seems to be correlated. I haven't done a rigorous, you know, randomized controlled test. But I feel as though when my body has made a decision, it's usually right. So we'll see. Now, suppose I'm wrong. Could happen. Anything could happen. Stranger things have happened. Um... Are you guys going to be okay? Are you guys going to survive if, uh, if it goes the other way? Will you be mentally distraught? Well, I'll be financially distraught. Apparently, I would be taxed at a rate of something like 67%. My estate would be pretty much given to the government, or half of it, I guess. And everything I've invested and worked for all of my life would be reduced below the point uh, that certainly I thought it would be. <laughs> In other words, it would substantially change my, my lifestyle. Uh, is your life going to be substantially changed by a Biden presidency? Because I don't know if, you were a, you know, if you're a Democrat, another term of Trump isn't going to change your life that much unless it just gets better, the economy gets better. But a Biden presidency would almost force me out of the state and maybe out of the country. Because, um, you know, if you ask me right now, I'd say there's no way I'm going to leave the country. And I guess you would have to renounce your citizenship if you did, because otherwise you're going to pay taxes. I think that's how it works. But I am now, when I look at Biden's tax plans, um, I'm not one of those celebrities who says... If the other side wins, I'm going to move to Canada. I wouldn't do it on principle. I would do it purely on financial financial basis because I could work in other places. So I would, dead serious, there's no hyperbole here. I mean, obviously, I'd have to talk to Christina. But uh, I'd have to think really seriously about finding a better country, you know, with better taxes, primarily with better taxes. We'll see. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Don Lemon says that he had to get rid of his uh, Trump-supporting friends. He said, "Quote: Last night, I just had to get rid of a lot of people in my life because sometimes you have to let them go. I think you have to hit rock bottom like an addict." That's what Don Lemon thinks of Trump supporters—that <laughs> he can't even he can't even be friends with them. Uh, that is really bad. Now, on top of that, add that um, Biden is running a Hitler ad for a campaign ad. Can I have a little permission here for some cursing? I'm going to give you a little bit warning that there probably will be some pretty violent cursing coming up pretty quickly. So if you've got some kids in the room, send them out. Send them out. Because here's the thing, you know, I don't mind a good hard fought campaign. And even though it bugs me when there are lies, you know, the lies are part of the political process and, you know, it vexes you, but it doesn't bother you that much. Joe Biden in the closing moments of the campaign before he could maybe become president of the United States is labeling Trump supporters because he's labeling Trump this, it really means the supporters too, as Nazis. Have you ever, have you ever seen anything like this? Now, he might, if you asked him, he might say, no, 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 I'm not talking about the voters who support him. I'm talking about, it's obvious to everyone, this would be Biden speaking, it's obvious to everyone that Trump is basically the next Hitler. So that's not saying something bad about the supporters. It is. You can't separate those. Right now, um, Biden is calling almost all of you Nazis. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. Now, it's the it's season of exaggeration, but I don't believe that is an exaggeration. I believe that Biden has actually said that Trump supporters are Nazis in that ad. I don't know any other way to interpret that. And I'm being serious. I'm not, I'm not just playing politics now. This is sort of personal. This isn't really political. And so I would like, on behalf of all of you potential Trump supporters who are listening to this, to say this. Fuck you, Joe Biden. Fuck you. You fucking, fucking bastard. You don't deserve to be president for doing this. I don't care whatever the fuck else you did in your whole goddamn fucking life. I don't care what a good service you did. I don't care that other people say you're nice. For doing this, just this and nothing else, you're fucking dead to me. And I will do anything I can, if you become president, to destroy you. I will make it my fucking mission to get you out of politics. I'll I'll make it sound like it's not violent, because it's not. I will make it my mission to bring down your whole fucking family. Legally, of course, in in all the ways that are appropriate in political discourse. But this isn't politics, all right? The Nazi ad, you've crossed the fucking line. This is not politics. This is personal. I won't act the same when it's personal as I would if I'm just watching a show, all right? You have crossed the fucking line, You fucking asshole. You were an asshole from the start, Joe Biden, and now you've revealed your complete level of assholery. This is fucking unacceptable. It's unacceptable for a candidate for president. It's unacceptable if, if, God forbid, you made it to the presidency, but this is unacceptable to be a fucking human being. To be a fucking human being. You not only didn't qualify to be the fucking president, you're not qualified to be a fucking human fucking being. You don't run Nazi goddamn fucking commercials about your fellow citizens. That's it. You fucking asshole. Fucking fucking asshole. There's nothing I've seen in politics as bad as this. Nothing. I haven't seen one fucking thing. It's as bad as what we just saw with that, that Hitler commercial. This guy is a menace. He wants to divide the country like nobody's ever divided the country. Look at what Trump's doing this week. He's gaining support from African-Americans, getting, I think even Lil Wayne said he was, he was going to support the president Now you've seen, you know, I wouldn't say Ice Cube is a supporter of the president, nor would I say 50 Cent, Um, but they're certainly Trump-friendly. I mean, even Kanye West is supporting Kanye West for president, but he's at least Trump-friendly, right? Trump-curious. So look at the real world, fucking Joe Biden. Look at the real world. In the real world, all these people that you're trying to bamboozle with your malarkey, they're not buying it. And the fact that you would actually fucking try this at this late stage is the most despicable thing I've ever seen from a fucking human being. So let's let's dispense with any thought that you're a good person, Joe Biden. You're not a good person. You're a really bad person. Indeed, I don't know anybody who's worse than you. Try to figure out one fucking thing, short of actually killing somebody. And I I think that commercial could end up killing people. You and your little fucking douchebag mask, Joe Biden, because you care so much about the fucking population of the United States and our citizens. Yeah, wear your little fucking douchebag mask, which, by the way, masks are good. You should wear your mask. But then run a Nazi fucking commercial. Really? Are you trying to tell us that you care about the public? You don't fucking care about the public. You wouldn't run that commercial. You goddamn piece of shit. I know you don't like it when I use the Lord's name in vain, but it just comes out. I apologize. All right, enough on that. Um, So here's how the left makes the Hunter Biden email scandal go away. And it's really sort of a... It's sort of amazing to watch it happen? Because lots of times you say to yourself, hey, I wonder if the media is trying to manipulate people. And you're never really sure. You think, well, is that the way they just think the story should be told? Is this just individuals putting their interpretation on things? Or is there really like a scandal going on? Are they actually manipulating the public? Well, let me give you an example. Here's how... Democrats have made this story disappear. The first thing they say is, uh, I guess the Wall Street Journal said they couldn't verify the story. And then other people said, oh, well, we can't verify the story, so therefore we won't talk about it. Because it's not verified. And then they act as though that is some kind of a standard that they've ever fucking used before. Now, if you're the public and you're sort of a, a low low-information consumer of the news, you might see that, you might say to yourself, oh, that's a pretty good standard. If something isn't verified, why would you put it on the news? Well, the reason is because every other fucking part of the news is unverified in election year. It's all unverified. Every one of those fucking anonymous books, they're all unverified and anonymous sources. Unverified has never has never meant you don't put it on television. It never meant that, and it never will. And yet, the, with straight faces, lots and lots of pundits have said, and news people, oh, it wasn't verified. <laughs> wasn't verified. Now, here's the second trick. So first, you say it's not verified because you don't try. How hard would it have been to talk to Tony Bobolinsky, an eyewitness who verified the emails? how hard would it be to talk to somebody who had them? Jack Posobiec, I think, had, had some materials. Uh, Bannon had them. And, and all of them would love the press to see them, right? The people who had the materials weren't hiding them. They were trying to get them into the public. <laughs> so if you couldn't verify that with a witness who was very credible, all the forensics, all access to it, If you couldn't verify that, on top of the fact that the family itself is not declining to, is not saying they're fake, if you can't find a Biden to say, well, let me ask you specifically, are you saying these emails are not real? If you can't do that little bit of verifying, obviously you're not trying, right? Um, It was was like, uh, do you remember in Charlottesville when people were arguing about um, who was there? you know, were there any people who were there who were non-racists, but were there just to support statues? Did you ever see any reporting on that? I think the the New York Times asked a few people that day, and they had, you know, some mention of that. Otherwise, the rest of the media didn't do that little bit of verifying that they would need, which is, oh, maybe we should just talk to some people who were at Charlottesville and see if indeed there were some people there who would consider themselves non-racists, who, who disavowed the racists who were there, who were there just for their own reasons. Did they exist? I did that. I just tweeted, hey, was anybody there? I'll talk to you. They contacted me and I talked to them. How hard was it for me to verify that the president was correct when he said there were some people there who were not with the Nazis and just were there about the statues? How hard was that? It wasn't. I tweeted it. That's it. (laughs) I just tweeted. Hey, anybody out there? And they contacted me. So this is how hard it would have been to verify the Hunter laptop story. Just make a phone call, basically. And so the public says, well, if they didn't verify it, it must be because it couldn't be verified. And that's just not true. So they just don't talk about whether it could have been verified. They just say they didn't. <laughs> um, I think they might have said that they couldn't, but that was obviously a lie if they said couldn't. Then, here's the, the next phase. Then they start doing stories about how the people on the right are pushing a fake story. Right? So this is this is the dirt on top of the hole. So the hole is can't be verified. What do you do? Can't verify it. And then, and then on top of that, they run the stories about how the other side's pushing a room, you know, an unverified piece of garbage story, and that's like the dirt on top of the hole, you know, after they've buried the, the consumer. And, and then this last, the last phase you're seeing today is, uh, CNN called it um, the scandal by proxy And there's an article on that in which they say the proxy, meaning that Hunter Biden is not Joe Biden, and it's a scandal about Hunter Biden. Therefore, should Joe Biden be a captive of some rumor about a whole other person? I mean, these are different people. Hunter Biden is not running for president, right? Right? So it's irrelevant, right, according to CNN. But that's not the story. That's not the story. $20, John, you're way too nice. Thank you. The story, the story is that Joe Biden was part of the deal and that he was cut in for some of it. Now, that could be true or not true, but the way they say they, they checked it was to check his actual legal records, his tax returns and his financial statements, and they say it's not on there. Because that's the way you do crime. You put it right onto your taxes. No. And the public is like, well, I guess they looked at the financial records, so I guess we're done here. No. Do you think Al Capone went to jail because of his financial records? Well, I don't, actually, I don't know. Bad analogy. Forget that analogy. Maybe you did. But certainly if you look in the wrong place, you're not going to find the thing you're looking for if you know you're looking in the wrong place. When you lose your keys in your house, do you ever uh, dig a hole in your lawn to look for them? No, no, you don't. Because even though your keys are lost, they're not in a hole in your lawn. So you don't go digging, digging, looking for them. Because that's not where they might be. What you do is you might look through your pants pockets and your your surfaces in your house because that's where they might be. You look for things where they might be. You don't look for things where... You know they're not going to be, such as on your tax returns. <laughs> you, you are all too nice. Um, so this last play is that what Hunter does doesn't have any bearing on Joe Biden. But the whole story is about blackmail. Do you think that if China had the goods to put Hunter Biden in jail, in jail... Do you think that Joe Biden would not have to act differently to keep Hunter Biden out of jail? You don't think that that would be blackmail material if Hunter Biden had a whole bunch of scandalous activities that China knows about, but we don't? That wouldn't be a problem? How is that not a fucking story? (laughs) So So here's the play. So let me break it down. Play number one, they just ignore the story. Just, just don't, don't cover it. But then there's too much noise from the other side. And, and uh, if, if Trump mentions it a bunch of times, if he tweets, you can't ignore it anymore. So the, so the people on the right you know, battered through and got through the first line of defense, which is they just ignore it. Then they do the fake verification thing, where they act like they can't verify something that's easy to verify. And then they say we couldn't find the crime because they looked in the wrong place. We know they looked in the wrong place. That's not a guess. <laughs> you don't find bribes on somebody's tax returns. Um, and then they turn it into a story about the right having, you know, yet again some, you know, QAnon kind of a, a situation. So they make it sound like it's just those crazy conservatives with their you know, conspiracy theories, try it again. And then they turn it into, well, it's Hunter, it's not even the president, or the potential president. (laughs) So that's the play. And I wonder if we'll see this play again on other inconvenient news items, but that's how they disappeared it. Um, Well, let's see what else we got here. Oh, and what about the uh, Super V recovery that we're having? So yesterday was uh, a gigantic kind of a a deal, um, because the, the, the economy is surging back. Not only is our economy coming back at record rates, and of course, it's coming back from a low base, as I talked about yesterday, but it's still quite notable, because we're apparently, at least according to some reporting, our economy suffered less and is coming back faster than a lot of competing economies, which is a pretty big deal. So that was uh, gigantic news, wasn't it? I mean, what's bigger than the economy is surging back? Pretty big news that wasn't covered in any way on CNN or MSNBC last night. In any way. Wasn't even mentioned uh, in, the evening econ- in the evening shows. It might have been mentioned during the day. But in the evening shows, they get all the viewership. Was not mentioned that the president... Probably is making the right decisions for the economy. Now you could argue whether it's the right decision overall. That would be what we're talking about. But you can't argue that he didn't tell you, "This is what I'm going to do," and then he did it. I mean, he basically he was Babe Ruth pointing to the you know the the wall and saying that I'm, I'm going to hit my next home run over that wall over there, and then he hits it over the wall right in front of you. That's sort of what Trump did. He said, I'm gonna, you know, I am going want to get back and reopen stuff. We're going to have a super V. It'll be the most impressive recovery you've ever seen. And then he did exactly that. Now, was that reckless and dangerous? And should we wear masks more? And could he have done better to keep the infections down? Probably. But that's exactly what he told you he was doing. He said I'm going to, effectively, he said I'm going to take a little extra risk on the, the health element, and the purpose of that is to make sure that our economy is strong, because if we don't make that strong, it's going to have you know a secondary effect on your health, so you have to look at it as a big ball of connected stuff, and here, here's where I, as a leader, think the risk-reward makes the most sense. little extra risk on the, on the virus... But a little uh, extra success on the economy, because that's keeping you alive too. I think the president pointed to the fence and hit a hit a home run over the fence, Babe Ruth style. And MSNBC and CNN decided that wasn't news. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> that's the definition of news. Can you imagine uh, if somebody else had pulled that off? Points to the fence. Call, calls the next pitch a home run and then hits it over the, that fence and it's not news? It's the president. <laughs> it, if the president did anything like that, it doesn't matter if it's the economy, if he did anything that specific of saying there's the fence, I'm going to be hitting the ball over that fence and then he did it, it wouldn't matter what the topic was. That's freaking news. Not on MSNBC. All right, uh, you know, uh, is it Jeff Greenwald, for the, who uh, until yesterday, I guess, worked for The Intercept. He was one of the founders, and he had to quit because, quote, The Intercept's editors, in violation of my contract, this is Greenwald's contract of editorial freedom, censored an article I wrote this week, refusing to publish it unless I remove all of the sections critical of Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden. Can you believe this? He co-founded the frickin' publication and had a contract to give him editorial freedom. And, and what he said was true. (laughs) Keep in mind that there's no part of this story where they're accusing him of having inaccurate information. I'm sorry, it's Glenn, Glenn Greenwald, not Jeff. Uh... So Glenn Greenwald, which is embarrassing because I'm actually a huge fan of Greenwald. I think his personality is a little, uh, let's say, a little prickly. <laughs> I, I don't think I would ever be friends with Glenn Greenwald because uh, he, he's, he's sort of an unpleasant character. But damn, he's good at his job. I've got to say that. And his, his tweets and his writing are just some of the best on the Internet, hands down. So, you should follow him, um, not Jeff. Glenn Greenwald. All right. But the, the enormity of this, the fact that he, he had to quit his own publication that he co founded because they wouldn't let him write the truth again, I don't think anybody's arguing whether the things he was saying were true or false. They were not asking him to remove it because it wasn't true, they were asking him to remove it. Because it was bad for Joe Biden. I mean, this is amazing that this is happening in front of us. And we're sort of, I won't say we're okay with it, but we're not acting on it in some way. Now, maybe the vote itself will be how we act on it. Um, I was watching uh, Bill Gates uh, in a little clip talking about the vaccines that are coming. And this is because if you didn't watch it, uh, and I was really surprised by this, but Joe Rogan had, uh, I'm sorry, I'm so tired this morning. I'm blanking on, uh, tell me who Joe Rogan just had on his show. Uh, the provocative, uh, not Kanye. I'm just waiting for your comments here. Uh, why the hell can't I think of it? Uh, This is weird. I'm having a a total uh, Joe Biden moment. Who is the very famous person who got banned from uh, all the social media networks and uh, removed from Spotify on Joe Rogan, has his own show? Why is it taking you... Alex Jones, thank you. Why did it take you so long to remind me his name? All right, so Joe Rogan had Alex Jones on his show. Now, this is a big deal in and of itself because Alex Jones was you know, banned on various platforms. But notably, when Joe Rogan got his big Spotify deal, there were uh, rumbles that his old shows that included Alex Jones and I think some other people were removed from the catalog because the Spotify uh, employees didn't like the content. So what does Joe Rogan do when the whole world is mad at him for both sides are mad, but for different reasons? One side's mad that he ever talked to Alex Jones in the first place. The other side is mad that he's going someplace, Spotify, that would make him get rid of an Alex Jones episode. So he was right in the middle of not satisfying anybody on the left or anybody on the right. And thank you for all telling me his name, Alex Jones. And by the way, Alex, I apologize. It's not like I don't know your name. You know, I've been on the show several times. Uh, and I'm a fan of Alex Jones. He's, he's pretty impressive for what he does. Um, and nobody's, nobody's hiding the fact that he's done some things that he needs to answer to and I don't. Uh, so that's for him to answer to. But in terms of his talent, it's pretty impressive, i got to say. Alex Jones is not famous by accident. He's famous because he puts on a hell of a show. So uh, I had been been tipped off that Rogan talking to Alex Jones was going to be entertaining. And it really was. I'm not done watching it yet. I think I watched the first hour. But I got to say, you can't get much more entertaining than Joe Rogan talking to Alex Jones when he's not supposed to. It's the not supposed to part that added the secret sauce. And I thought to myself, Joe Rogan, you're getting, you're getting shit on by the entire world for talking to having ever talked to Alex Jones. So, what does Joe Rogan do? He invites Alex Jones on the show. What a baller play that was. And I said to myself, I don't know if this is going to work out for you, Joe. It's a bold play. Definitely, it's definitely what I'd call the football decision. You know, it's the, it's the decision to run toward the brick wall and run through it instead of to climb over it or walk around it. And apparently, I mean, just judging on the outcome, it looks like Joe Rogan said, somebody built a giant brick wall directly in front of me. I think I'm going to just bust right through the wall. And so he has Alex Jones on the show which I thought was terrific, both in entertainment value and in just you know a way, to, a way to run your life, if you will. And what Joe did to protect himself, and I thought this was also quite brilliant, is he would keep interrupting uh, Alex Jones, who would go on a, a rant that would have lots of uh, alleged facts in it that maybe you had never heard before. <laughs> and so Joe Rogan kept saying, Wait, 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 hold on back up. You just said whatever it was, some claim that you've never heard before in your entire life unless you watch Alex Jones' show, I guess. And then Alex would say, that's right. And he'd make his outrageous claim. And then they would fact check it by Googling it right there. And uh, Joe Rogan's assistant would put it up on on the video. And sure enough, this outrageous thing that Alex Jones said that maybe you've never even heard of before Turns out to be in the news with a respected news source. And and you say, oh, okay. All right, well, there was one. Alex Jones got one right. All right, well, but, you know, the other stuff he says is obviously crazy. So then Alex Jones starts talking again. He'll make another outrageous claim. And Joe Rogan would stop him again. Hold on, hold on. All right, We, we can't go past that. Let's back up to that wild claim you made. Put it on the screen. Oh, that one's true too. <laughs> and watching that, watching that series play out over and over again, they kept fact checking him, and they, it kept being true. It was kind of amazing. And again, you know, I don't want to over over praise Joe Rogan because it just sounds too much a, a fan fan thing. But between his Kanye episode, which was just amazing, and the the Alex Jones episode. This is as good as it gets for that form of entertainment. I mean, I think he's just, you know, I, I thought he had defined the space already, but he just, he just widened that space a little bit. I didn't even think that was possible. So good, good job there. Uh, anyway, one of the things that came out of that was the thought that these vaccines have side effects, the ones that are being uh, prepared right now. Now, do you ever heard that story? Had you ever heard that the vaccines that are being prepared right now, which we have, uh, we're getting good reports in terms of the probable efficacy? Had you heard that they had side effects? So, I see this clip of uh, uh, Rogan tweet uh, sent this out on Instagram. At least, it might have been on Twitter too. And on Instagram, I see a clip of Bill Gates being interviewed about the vaccines and he he lets out that getting the vaccine can cause you a lot of pain. <laughs> had you ever heard that before? Because regular vaccinations don't cause you a lot of pain. I think maybe some people you know some and maybe you've never even heard of anybody who had had pain because of it. but apparently these vaccinations are going to hurt you <laughs> as they stand, they all have a side effect is kind of bad, at least in the sense that it hurts for a while. So that's from Bill Gates. I don't know how universal that is. I don't know if that's every vaccine. But then he adds this, that they almost certainly would have to be given in multiple doses, meaning you'd have to get a little and then your body adjusts, and then you go back and you get another one. How many of these do you need? Two or three? And then how long does it last? So I've got a feeling that vaccinations are not going to be quite as awesome as we hoped they would be because a lot of people are not going to get it if it hurts. And it hurts a lot. That's the indication we're getting that it might be that. And I think it hurts if you give the full dose because it has to be a pretty big dose compared to other vaccines. And how many people are going to go back for their second and third shot if the first one is unpleasant? That is a b- lot of friction. Because if the whole if the whole process were pain-free and easy and you only had to do it once, it's still gonna get it's still hard to get people to do it. But then you add any of that extra friction of it's inconvenient and it might hurt. A lot of people are gonna skip that. Somebody says why pain? And I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that medically, why pain? It's the first I'd heard it. But I think you've got to factor that into your predictions about how important the, uh, the vaccines are going to be. Now, on the other side, I was watching a doctor on Twitter talk about all the different uh, therapies and drugs that they have now and how for each phase of the progression of COVID, they've got now you know one or two different therapies. Uh, a lot of them are just existing drugs that they found work pretty well. Some of them are you know your et cetera. And what I'd like to know is how different are the uh, treatment regimens across states? In other words, if I go go into a hospital in California, am I going to get the same drugs that I would get in Florida or New York? Does anybody know? Uh, Has the treatment, um, let's say recommended treatment, gotten to the point where wherever you are in the country or even anywhere in the world, you're going to get the same treatment? Well, I think the answer is no, because there are meds that are not available everywhere, including the Regeneron, which is in short supply. So wouldn't you like a whole lot more visibility on what hospitals are treating with what regimens and then what results they're getting? Wouldn't you like to know and I I hope somebody's studying this. It's the obvious thing to study. Wouldn't you like to know if there's, let's say, a a big hospital center in L.A. that has a certain outcome, you know, a certain number of people are surviving, and let's say that they're using mostly the same kind of uh, treatment schedule, and then compare that to another state where maybe they have less access to drugs or they treat it differently, do you get the same death, death rate? By now, there must be enough people going through the system that we could tell all right, um, somebody's saying that the vaccinations will hurt because they're slipping in a, a chip. <laughs> it's the chip that hurts when they chip you. That's not true. It's not true as far as I know. All right. Um, somebody says he's divorced so he doesn't feel pain anymore. <laughs> uh, must have been quite a marriage. Um, over in Germany, the Germans are having a uh, another... Outbreak, another uh, little surge in the coronavirus, and so they're doing a little more shutdowns. Now, didn't you think that Germany was done? Because Germany did everything right, right? They've got that good leadership, um, modern economy, so Germany won't have any problem. They just have to, they got a little up, uptick, so they're just going to close down again. And here's, here's a little uh, bit that I picked up that I thought was. Interesting. Uh, So the question is now whether the Germans will do what they're told, but did they do what they were told the first time? In other words, did Germany have good compliance with masks and with social distancing? Well, it turns out that the Germans are very compliant people, (laughs) according to this news story, and that uh, the Germans actually were very disciplined. That's the phrase used, very disciplined and that they did actually reduce their contacts quite a bit and, and wore masks. So here's what's kind of interesting about this. Not in a good way, because you don't want them to have extra infections, but I feel like we're going to learn a lot from whatever happens in Germany in the next month. Because the Germanys are re-shutting down, and we know that they have a good history of compliance. They'll probably have a good history of compliance after this is done, too. Because I think that they just are, uh, maybe culturally, they're more likely to you know, follow directions from above, both good and bad, I suppose. So we're going to really know something, I think. I think we're going to see if the German uh, method just squashes the infections, or if the infections just keep going up because leadership doesn't matter. That's what we'll find out. You're going to find out in Germany if masks and social distancing matter. Because Germany now, we have the the first wave where it seems to have worked, and now the second wave, we're going to learn if it works in a way when we're really watching it, right? In theory, the Germans will put their masks back on. They'll stop larger gatherings and restaurants and stuff. And in three weeks, you're going to see that curve dip way down. Because that's what happened before and they know how to do it. So what happens if that doesn't happen? Anybody wanna put on their their best uh, predictions? Do you predict that the Germans who have good leadership, good compliance from the public, plenty of masks, they don't have any kind of a shortage of masks, clear instructions, uh, and I guess their guidelines are gonna be quite specific about how many people can be together in what situations. Under all of those conditions, do you expect to see that curve just go around and dip down? Or, if leadership and those steps are not as big a deal as you have been told, you would see infections go up. Does anybody want to put their bets on this? All of, the, all of those, those of you who have said that the masks and the social distancing don't make that much difference... Are you willing to bet that Germany will have no success in, in stopping this second surge? Is that your bet, everybody? This is your chance. Because even though this is not a randomized, controlled study, it's Germany. It's predictable. You kind of know what you're going to get with Germany, right? So this would be a good one to bet on. I'm going to bet that it works. So, so I'll put my bet down. My bet is that they they will flatten it. I don't know if it'll be that different from the rest of the world. So you still have to compare it to something. If there's somebody who didn't do anything and they still got the same curve, you know, you're gonna have to compare that. You you're being very nice with these uh, with these super chats. Thank you so much. I do see them as they go by. I just don't talk about them all. Um, all right. On another topic, Kanye made a full-sized hologram for Kim Kardashian of Kim's uh, deceased father, and it's one of those, you know, life-size, walking, talking—I uh, don't know how much walking he it did—but it's standing there, a hologram, and it's got a voice, and it's interacting, and it's it's talking to Kim. And I had two feelings about that. One, uh, that certainly makes what you were going to get for your spouse looked kind of pathetic, doesn't it? Because you were going to get a box of candy and a a nice card. Kanye made a hologram of her deceased father. So he beat you in the gift-giving. But I don't know if I would have wanted to see that, actually. I suppose it depends who you are and who your parent was. I'm not sure I could handle seeing a deceased relative come back as a hologram. I don't know. I guess I would like it. I would, I would do it, of course. I wouldn't say no to it. But um, I wonder if we're reaching the point where you add a little artificial intelligence to the hologram and we just have a blended society where we're living uh, with holograms who are intelligent and you know interact with your room because I think we'll have the technology pretty soon where that hologram can walk from room to room within your home. You know, you just have sensors and holographic projectors in each room, and your, your deceased family member can just live in your house again, can walk around, talk to you, ask you how the weather's going. That's a real thing. And I think that that could happen maybe even faster because the, the, the holographic projection stuff got really good recently, I mean, really good recently. So I think you're going to have that before robots. So before you have a lifelike-looking robot that looks like a person uh, that could, say, live in your house and be your domestic servant, you're going to have uh, relatives who have been reanimated just living in your house. Take me, for example, if you haven't heard me talk about this before. One of the reasons that I enjoy putting so much of my opinion on the Internet which is all of these live streams, plus everything I write, everything I tweet, every book I've written. My personality is more, more fully um, displayed in a way that anybody could access it. You could just Google me and you could find my entire personality, my opinion on just about everything uh, somewhere. And you could use that to build an AI of me and I authorize the future world, uh, anybody who wants to build a version of me, you know, a, a robot or an AI, I, I hereby authorize it in public. So you can build as many as you want, and you can, use, you can use me as the personality for that. That's authorized. I think I'll be one of those people. I think I will be a hologram that walks the earth forever. So look forward to that. Um, Apparently there's a Facebook group group called Wives of the Deplorables. These are uh, wives who are uh, voting for Biden, but their husbands are voting for Trump. Do you think they have a chance? (laughs) Do you think that the wives of the deplorables are still going to be married in five years? I don't know. It feels like a bad sign. I feel like that's not going to make it the distance. Um, Now, Bernie and Elizabeth Warren are both looking at maybe cabinet positions if Biden wins. And Warren might be looking at Secretary of Treasury. These are all rumors. You don't really know what they want. And maybe Bernie would be Secretary of Commerce or something. So we're, we're on the border of 67% tax rate and a full socialist cabinet. So we got that. And almost 80% of the tax increases backed by Biden would land on the top 1% of earners, according to, you know, uh, Wharton, I guess. And I'm thinking to myself, that's terrific, but I would leave the country. (laughs) If this really happens, honest to God, I don't know if I could live in this country. I really want to. It's my first choice by far. But I really, really want Biden not to tax me at 67% and essentially you know, remove most of my net worth. Let me tell you why this matters. This, this is way too, yeah. this might be a little too personal. But I'll give you a sense of it. It had always been my ambition to not die rich. Because if you die rich, I think you're an idiot because dying rich means that you made all this money and you didn't use it. Like what would be the point of dying rich? That that would be like a sign of failure. Now, if you have, you know, a spouse and kids and stuff, of course, you want them to have something to inherit. But you don't want to be just take your money to your grave. And so I have lived my life, uh, let's say generously. Thinking that thinking, you know, if I want to go to my old age with a certain amount of money so that I'll be comfortable. I want that. But all of this extra stuff that's beyond the amount that I would need to be as comfortable as I want to be, I kind of wanted to get rid of it. And so I did. So for much of my life, I have spent as much time giving away my money as I have making it, because I didn't want to have too much money. Dying as a billionaire to me seems like the ultimate loser play you should just give it away, because there are people who need it more. Now, my strategy has worked, and if my career, you know, as it's widening down in my older years, and as I project, you know, what will I need for my retirement and, you know, my family, etc., I've planned that under the current tax rates and current system, I'll be fine, just the way it is. Joe Biden has decided to take Two thirds of that. (laughs) So now I'm in a situation where the generosity of my life to this point now will basically be very damaging to me in my older years. I will have to actually, I would have to dramatically alter my lifestyle because I was too generous in earlier years, and I would actually not have enough left to maintain the lifestyle, the style that I have. So. There is an unfairness to it that none of you care about whatsoever because you know it's problems of rich people. Let's let's be honest. Nobody really cares if a rich person loses a little money, it's not anybody's problem. But it is a little personal. Because in economics there's a concept that it doesn't matter what the rules are, you just don't want to change them. Because the people playing the economic game, in other words, what what businesses they start, what types of jobs they do. It's based on those rules. And so I've, I've developed an entire life based on a set of rules, essentially tax rules, that would get me to my end point the way I wanted. And then if they change the rules, I can't get there, only because they changed the rules. I did everything right. Should I be punished for doing everything right being generous over the course of my lifetime and still thinking, well, I just want enough you know, that I still have a you know, good, solid, comfortable life. And then they change those rules and say, we're going to take two-thirds of your money and just give it to other people. Is that fair? Does that seem fair to you? I would say that would be very unfair. But again, nobody has sympathy for wealthy people. I don't expect it. I'm just telling you how I feel. I don't ask you to have any sympathy for that whatsoever. Um, And that is my program for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Move to Texas? Well, moving to Texas would only help me with my state taxes. It would help a lot, but it wouldn't help me with the estate taxes. It would help with state, but not estate. All right. That's all for now, and I will talk to you tomorrow.